Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. to see you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Howard. I'm um, what they call the executive pastor of Alive. So I get the joy of seeing all of our locations. And for the last year or so, I've been working quite extensively with New at Location. But now that you're in the new venue, um, that causes me a little bit of a problem because all of our other services are also on Sunday mornings. So I'm now having to be in a variety of places. So perhaps you haven't seen me as much here on a Sunday morning. But um, can I just say what a thrill it is to be here this morning? Isn't it great to be in this venue? you meeting on a Sunday morning isn't it great to be in a place where uh, we can gather together worship together where our families can come together where we can do great kids work where we can have a youth connect group starting this morning it's just so good God is growing us expanding us his spirit is alive and working in us and this series from Romans chapter 8 is all about that It's all about how you and I, when we receive Jesus or we give our lives to Jesus, we receive the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, and he comes and he lives within us and he changes us completely. It's a full transformation. There's a moment of time when we receive the spirit and in that moment of time, the the Bible describes it, we're no longer old creations, we are now new creations, no longer in condemnation. And today we're going to look at what that means, but today I don't just want us to do a Bible study and walk away from this place with our heads full of knowledge. I want us to begin to begin to step into the power that the Holy Spirit bestows upon our lives when we receive him. You see, I don't know about you, but um, I'm a little bit sick and tired of a dry Christian experience. You know, I know Jesus up here. I've perhaps have head knowledge of him. I've perhaps uh, filled my time with books and readings and those sort of things. But I desire once again in this land, in this day, in this age, to walk out in the power that I see throughout the New Testament, throughout Scripture. When I read the book of Acts, it's like a boy's adventure story. I don't know if you've ever read it like that, but literally page after page, story after story as you turn the page, it's like, and then this thing happened, and then this thing happened. And I wonder what would happen if you and I in Newark caught a revelation or an understanding that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives, literally lives in you and I. Wow. Wow. So that's where we're at today. We're in Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans was written by a gentleman called Paul. Paul was... um, a persecutor of Christians or of the Jewish nation at the time. He was somebody uh, who originated with this real sense of actually bringing that body of people into persecution. And he had an incredible encounter with Jesus. He met Jesus on a road, a road called uh, Road to Damascus. He was going to Damascus. And in that moment of time, Paul has this revelation where this incredible light meets him. And at that moment of time, he has a transformational moment of time. He actually turns from one way 
way of living to another. But he has to cultivate that. So he gets taken away and he goes away uh, to one side and that gets cultivated in him. And then he becomes as passionate for the church as he was against the church. And he becomes what we call an apostle. He's somebody who actually begins to establish the early church. And here he's writing to the church in Rome, to the Roman church. That's why the book's called Romans. And he's starting to unpack what it is to live a life in Christ. Because at the time, of course, there were a few teachers, there were a few people who were unpacking the Bible, and he was really laying the foundations, and it's the same foundations that you and I can build our lives upon. So as we read this, the same things that Paul is describing to the Roman church are there for you and I. They're there for you and I to step into, they're for you and I to inherit. And Romans chapter 8, this chapter that we're focusing on at the moment, is right in the centre of the book, and um, at times it's been called Paul's thesis on the work of the Holy Spirit, or Paul's baptism in the Holy Spirit, this sense of, or his Pentecost, this sense of, he is writing about an encounter with the Holy Spirit that has been life transforming and life changing. And over the last seven weeks, or, or across the course of seven weeks, we're unpacking that book and we're learning from it but the desire is not that we walk from this place with just some head knowledge the desire is actually we step into and the power that is available to us is revealed in us you know that power isn't there solely for use in this building on a Sunday morning that power is there for you to use and access and be revealed in you in your workplace in your family life in your home life at home it's there for us to be used wherever we are you see we are called as a church to gather together like we do on a Sunday morning but we're also called to be salt and light wherever we go we're called also to be scattered tomorrow morning living with the power that Paul describes in this is as much important as it is by stepping into it today the beauty about gathering is that we get to try some of this stuff out we get to build a bit of confidence in it so when we walk in and we hear that somebody's struggling with an ankle like we did this morning we pray for that ankle and we believe that God will heal that ankle we believe that we've been given the authority to pray and release the power over of healing into that ankle the same with backs this morning the same of those who are feeling a bit low we get the power to speak those things out but we get to practice it in an environment of faith but we don't get to live in it here we get to live in it when we move from this place so I'm practicing something at the moment and um, I'm not very good at it um, so bear with me but I'm practicing uh, in something called words of knowledge and this is when you believe that God has given you a insight into a particular thing. And as I was praying for Newark this morning, I, I felt that there was maybe three or four words of knowledge uh, about maybe physical illnesses or ailments in this place. Now, as I say, I'm not very good at it. OK, so bear with me. OK, don't worry if there isn't anybody who represents these things. I'm not worried about it. OK, I'm just practicing. All right. So let's put that caveat in at the top. All right. But I did believe is that the reason I'm being a bit vulnerable and saying I'm practicing is because I believe we're all called to practice these sort of things. So I'm standing in front of you as not an expert in any way, shape or form, because the problem is if you believe I'm the expert, you won't practice some of these things as well. But this, this is a gift available to all of us, a gift of knowledge that we can use to unpack God's glorious life into people's lives. You see, the gift of knowledge isn't the important thing. It's what it releases into somebody. So I believe some of these uh, 
um, knowledge things today are actually in order that some of us can understand that God knows us, that he has a desire to uh, know you, and he's got your best interests at heart. In fact, he loves you more than you love yourself. So I did believe that there's a lady here today who's got pain in their left wrist. Is that evident for anyone this morning? Is there anyone here who's got pain in their left wrist? I also heard the word arthritis. So is there anyone this morning who suffers with arthritis? Okay, great. It's Charlie, whereabouts is, is your pain? Knee. Left knee. Okay, so I told you I'm practicing. So, okay, all right. So we've got left, I've got lady, and I've got arthritis. Okay, so as I say, we're practicing. So now, so Charlie, I believe that God wants to say to you that he knows, that he loves uh, you. And uh, I want us to pray for you right now. So uh, Ollie, Olivia, uh, Lois, would you come and pray for Charlie and um, uh, Keith as well? Let's believe in this place as well that God wants to heal this knee as a sign of his love for Charlie. Let's believe. So, Charlie, we speak the life of Christ over you this morning. We believe that the power that raised Christ from the dead is evident in us. And we declare in this place today that by the wounds of Jesus, you are healed. So left knee, come into order with the word of God. Arthritis, we take authority over you today in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. And Charlie, receive healing in the name of Jesus now. We declare you'll have no more pain in that knee. That you won't walk from this place with a limp or aches or pain at all. But arthritis, you be gone in the name of of Jesus. We declare the finished work of Jesus Christ over you, Charlie, in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've been reading recently that some of the um, evidence of our words of knowledge and stepping into our faithfulness sometimes comes not at that moment of time. Sometimes the power can precede the word, but sometimes it accompanies the word. Sometimes it's as you walk out that word as well. So uh, the evidence of this may be in Charlie right now, but it may be later as well. The second one was, uh, I believe that somebody here, and I, f- I felt it was male, was suffering with lower back pain, and I, I felt it was kidneys on the right-hand side. So is there anybody today suffering with lower back pain? Okay. Oh, okay. A few people. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, as I say, I'm practicing. It may well be female, you know, absolutely. Okay. So there's people all down this side. Okay. As I stand, that's on my right hand side. There you go. I'll take that one. Great. Okay. So there's a whole, there's a whole body of people down here. Okay. So there's Tony right at the back, two gents just here and Lisa here. So let's activate some faith in us this morning. So if um, some guys can come and pray as well, lay hands on and we declare into these areas this morning that as these words of knowledge are being outworked in us, uh, we're believing for healing in these backs. Was there, I just understood the word kidney as well. Have any of you got any kidney problems particularly? Okay, one there at the back, great. Fant- uh, kidney one here, okay, great. Okay, let's pray for these people. And church, this is for us to engage in as well. So don't sit back and just sit and think on it. This is God revealing his love to these people and saying, actually, I know about this and I care about this. So we speak to lower backs this morning. We speak to those in pain in the right-hand side or in their lower back. We speak to muscles and we speak to kidneys in the name of Jesus. And we release healing into these um, people's bodies, into muscles, into bone structures, into kidneys today. And we say, by the wounds of Jesus, you are healed. And we declare this morning, 
morning come into line with the word of Jesus. Kidneys come into line. Muscles come into line. Any pain in the lower back, we pray today there will be healing in this house. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. Thank you, Lord, that word is being spoken out in this place. And we respond to your word in this place, in this moment of time. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Okay. Um, I felt there was one lady, and again, this is a lady, who was suffering with pain from the back of their ears, both ears, and running down over the top, uh, back of down of both shoulders. Is there anyone who's suffering with that at the moment? There's a lady right there at the back, um, and a lady. Okay, one side. Come on. Come on, Paul. Brilliant. Fantastic. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So I've got one here, a lady right in the back there. If you're happy for us to pray with you, we'd love to pray. We believe that God loves you, that he wants to outwork his love into your life today. We believe that pain running down your ears and across your shoulders is not for you to carry in any way. I I believe that the word that accompanies this is, let your burden be easy and let your yoke be light. Uh, You could interpret this as also someone who feels they're carrying stress or anxiety, but I really felt that it was coming out in pain from the back of your ears, running down your neck and across your shoulders. Um, just to declare Mel Mel I understood that your name was involved in this word so it's powerful that you're praying for this lady right now Um, thank you Father for your word and as we speak out this word in this place we pray for any neck issues and uh, um, down the right and left shoulders we declare now the healing power of Jesus we pray for shoulders and necks today come into line with the word of God that says by the wounds of Jesus we are healed we take authority over any pain in this place today we declare the goodness of God over you and as you step out from this place may you walk in healing be healed be made whole be made well in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus amen amen wonderful okay and there was one other um which is really weird so I have no idea about this one at all um but do the names Patricia and Clive mean anything to anybody in this place today your okay does the, um, does the name Clive mean anything to anybody? Okay, as I say, I'm practicing the word Patricia. So the word that I believe God wants to say to you is that, um, that he wants to restore to you something. That his great love for you, um, that has been painful for you, that it's been something that you've had to walk out and journey. Uh, wants to be revealed to you it's his love that he wants to reveal I saw a picture um, and the picture was that um, a man and a lady were stood in front of a house and they were waving and at that moment of time they were waving and and someone went away from them and it's like that person hasn't ever returned and I just want to say to you that God's love for you is always a returning love he's got wide open arms for you he receives you back into his love and I believe that by naming your mum's name that actually his heart of compassion and love for you wants to be revealed to you today Lindsay we thank God for you and we pray that actually by him revealing his heart to you today through that name that there'll be a wonderful sense of you receiving the father's love in this place thank you father Amen. Amen. Wonderful. And this is what this Romans 8 passage is all about. It's about us moving from this place 
in a sense of the confidence of the spirit of God that lives in us. You see, what I've practiced in this place is not um, solely for preachers to practice on a Sunday morning. It's the gift that's given to each and every one of us. So this is where we're at today. Let's put the reading up for today. It's just one verse we're concentrating on today. We're concentrating on verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons or daughters or children by which we cry out Abba Father so where Paul is teaching Paul is teaching into the um, city of Rome and he's speaking into a Roman culture and I want you to understand the culture of the day so the culture of the day that he's speaking into has an interesting um, theory around parenting so if you were uh, biologically a parent you had every right to give up your children you had this kind of, there was this culture in the day of actually you deciding whether you wanted to keep your children or not want to keep your children. But alongside that, there was a really high ideal around adoption. So in the Roman culture, if you adopted a child into your family, there was no option at all at that point of you then being able to give up that child. The adoption of that child into your family was a legally binding adoption moment of time that effectively said that child is now in the family line. So the child now gains the inheritance of the family. The child now gains the family name. The child now gets brought in to the family. There's this wonderful sense in this word that Paul is using around adoption that actually you're no longer in any, in any opportunity being given away, but you're now being brought into a family. So an adopted child received a brand new identity. Prior commitments, responsibilities and debts over that child were cancelled. So this is where he's writing to in the very culture of the day. New rights and responsibilities for the child were then taken on by this new family. Being adopted made someone an heir to their father, joint sharers in all his possessions and fully united in him. And then children have the honour of the family name. So I want us to begin to understand that in the context that Paul is now writing. So Paul is now saying, naturally, this is what takes place in Rome. So I'm going to use that imagery and I'm going to say over us, the body of Christ, this is what happens when we receive Jesus. We're now no longer cast out. We're no longer on our own anymore, but we're now purchased into the family. We now get the honour of the family name. Not only that, we now get the inheritance of the family name. So all that is good from God comes down through his family line into you and I. We get the authority of the family name. We get to stand in the truth of this new family name. We are now a permanent part of the family. So let's read that little passage again under that understanding as that revelation begins to impact our heart. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, daughters, children, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
Now, there's something really interesting here. So the word for sons is hoiothesia. My Greek isn't great. Hoiothesia. And it literally means adopted. It means brought into to make someone a son. You and I have been made, when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive the living spirit into us, a son or a daughter of the living God. Interestingly, Paul doesn't use this word for Jesus ever. So there's a, um, an understanding that Jesus hasn't been adopted into the family. Jesus' sonship is unique, and it's a different order from ours. And also, just remind and remember this, that our adoption as sons and daughters is now because of the work that Jesus did upon the cross. Okay, so let's remind ourselves of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a fuller and greater understanding that is all because of the actions of Jesus. We don't earn this. We can't do this. We can't make this happen. Jesus did it upon a cross for you and I. Our response is to believe and through faith to receive from him. There's a wonderful um, understanding in all of this of grace. You see, you and I can't behave well enough to receive this. The beauty of the gospel is we don't have to. The beauty of the gospel is we don't now have to jump through hoops to receive God's love. Jesus Christ jumped through the hoop for you. He literally, on the cross, as Dom said at communion, he became the one who was sacrificed in order that you and I can receive these incredible grace gifts from God. And one of the best grace gifts is our adoption as his children. Now, the thing that results from adoption, being adopted, is that we get a brand new identity. I don't know about you, But um, one of the areas that I seem to struggle in my life is around knowing who I am and whose I am. So I know that I am Howard. I know that I am the husband to Claire. I know I'm the father to Ethan, Nathaniel and Elijah. I know I am the son of Hugh and Barbara. I know I've got that family line and that's pretty um, well known in my life. You know, there's not a morning I wake up and struggle with those thoughts. But there are moments in the day when I wake up and I struggle with Howard, the one who is the, inhe- the adopted son of God, the one who has an identity in Christ. I don't know about your brain, but quite often my brain goes through things like, why would I deserve that? Can I tell you right now? You didn't. You didn't, but it was the grace of Jesus Christ. Whether we deserved it or not, he hung on a cross for you and I. He defeated death. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father saying, it's a done, finished, completed work. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. You can't do anything to earn that love. You can't do anything to stop that love. That's the beauty of the gospel for us. And that's available to every single one of us. But as we receive this new inheritance or this new identity over our lives, there are some things that you and I can step into daily to um, outwork that or to steward that or to help us remember that. So there's a few areas that I think we as Western Christians often stumble into. Um, Ollie, Olivia, can you join me for a second? Ollie, can you grab that set of words over that side? Uh, Olivia, can you grab that set?
Great. Fantastic. Do you want to flip the first word so that everyone can see? So Ollie's got the word slaves, and Livy, you've got the word children. So we're literally just going to replace the front sheet with the one behind it in a minute. So um, really sorry, mate. You get to represent slaves, and um, Livia, you get to represent children. Okay, so we were once slaves, okay? But by believing in Jesus Christ, we are now no longer slaves, We are now children of God. This is what Paul is speaking to us, okay? But the outworking of that takes some stewarding, okay? So it actually takes some sitting in it, learning, being developed. Because if you're anything like me, you wake up in the morning and go, I feel a bit like a slave today, okay? So let's have a little look at some of the areas. So let's look at the first word um, behind the word slaves and the first word behind children. So slaves often work out of a scarcity mindset. I never have enough. I'm never going to step into all that God has for me. Things like lack of trust, things like um, the understanding that I'm not going to uh, be able to receive the things that God has for me. Often slaves operate with a sense of lack and scarcity, needing to manage and hoard things. So if you ever stumble back into that area of knowing that God is going to provide, but actually trying to partner with God, there are moments of time where you're like, I'm still acting in a slave mindset. But children act out of an abundance mindset. If if the inheritance line is that you are going to receive all that God has for you, then children begin to understand that God is abundant. And we're going to receive the abundant blessing of God. We are now in a kingdom of abundance and we can trust God to give us our daily bread. So that changes everything that we are. It changes our prayers. It changes our worship. It changes our mindset. If we worship God from a scarcity mindset, we're always starting from a place of we never have enough. God, give me. Please provide for me. Please make this happen for me. But if we understand that he's already done it upon the cross and we have an abundance mindset, we begin to worship him for the God who always provides, the God who always brings the breakthrough, the God who is always abundantly loving his people it changes all the way it changes our prayer life changes how we walk as adopted sons and daughters into life let's look at the next word as well disconnection and connection so slaves often walk through their um, relationship journey with disconnection at the heart sons and daughters understand connection so these things look like this so slaves often walk through life with a self-protection if i get connected relationally to people it's going to hurt me i'm going to be hurt in this that become that is from a slave mindset it comes from a place of actually um i don't trust enough the god who is a god who calls me to a relational love And it's not through works, I have to trust him enough, it's just through abandon. I abandon myself to the one who trusts me. Is that a revelation to you this morning, that God trusts you, he loves you, and he trusts you? Often slaves in disconnection are overly critical, they become critical of others, because that person isn't doing it how I would do it. They often become disconnected from others when they feel unsafe. You know, things like actually, like I am sometimes in a party, I will put myself in the corner of the kitchen because I feel like I'm unsafe in this environment. That's disconnection. That's a slave mindset 
not a child mindset. You know, and um, some of these things aren't big sweeping statements. They're things where we hover between most of the time. And as we look today, we're going to remind ourselves that actually there are things we can do to change our mindsets to understand to become children. Disconnection leads us to punish others or withhold affection and encouragement when feeling threatened. You know, I know with my children that there are moments of time where those, my children wind me up, okay? And it's so easy to stumble back into disconnection, to tell them off, to over-criticise them. But actually, it's a thrill and a joy for a father and a son to have a relationship where the kid comes home from school and says, Dad, can I have some snacks? And literally, you open the door to the larder and you're like, yes, go for it, okay? Now, I know I should be giving him healthy food as well. I get that, okay? But, but literally, this sense of actually yes because we want to be in a family where we understand the abundance of God so children children understand connection that they bought they've been bought with a price they've been ransomed healed restored and forgiven they're free to pursue healthy connections healthy connection with father God and then healthy connections with one another I'm working on that it's an area I'm not great at I'm not great in a new environment if I walk into a connect group and I've never been in it before I literally like everything inside of me is is going off you know there's like little alarm bells going off sweaty palms dry mouth you know those, those sort of things um, and some of you will be amazing amazing in those environments but you hate walking into this environment you know some of you and the the temptation will always be to move towards that whereas actually as a son and daughter under the authority of the king he's called us to this he's opened that up for us so disconnection and connection we're free to pursue healthy connections with relationship and love let's have a little look at the next one slaves often um, in terms of their management of what happens around them put their trust in their circumstances, whereas children put their trust in the truth of who God is. Thinking leads us to focus on our circumstances and situations rather than the promises of God. I don't know if you've ever stumbled into slave thinking around illnesses or slave thinking around lack or slave thinking around circumstances that are coming to challenge you that week. I don't know what your prayers look like that week but for me sometimes my prayers look like God will you take this away from me or you know will you heal me in this or will these things happen because I'm focused on that bit whereas actually God reminds me that as a child I've got something higher than the circumstances and that is the truth of who he is and what he says is going to happen in this place there is a truth and that comes from scripture that comes from the bible it comes from us unpacking the word of God into that situation my great friend Dave Bell uses it like this there are some facts in life circumstances and there is a higher truth in life and that's the word of God as children as adopted sons we've been given the tools to allow ourselves to step into truth. Truth focuses on the truths of God and build lives based on the promises of the Father. Let's look at the last word. Let's talk about work and life and patterns and those sort of things. A slave mindset often looks like striving, striving to make it happen, whereas a child mindset looks like rest. I know my kids, when they come home from school, there's literally no striving going on. They are like, throw their, their bags off. They are like, give me the sofa, turn the PlayStation on. I am at rest in this house, you know. And you and I, as children of the Most High God, have that given to our lives. We don't have to walk in 
into the house of God and think we've got to make this happen and we've got to do it and we've got to strive to do all that God is doing. Jesus said that he will build his church. You and I don't have to strive. There's a word for us. You and I don't have to strive to build this. It's Jesus who's doing it. We have to just become children of God, loving one another and living out that incredible love. So striving and working to earn approval with God. My kids don't have to earn approval with me. I love them. I love them from the moment they were born and I love them still the same today. All three the same. Um, Forgetting that his grace and acceptance is a free gift received by faith in Jesus Christ. Whereas children work from the foundation that we're already loved, we're accepted because of the atoning work of the cross. Atoning means literally at one moment, being, being brought back to being one with him. That's what the cross does for you and I. So for me personally, I know that for a lot of my life, I tread the tightrope between these two things sometimes. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I've got to make this happen. And I'm not restful in my spirit. Or I come from a disconnection or I'm walking to a particular place or a particular moment where fear erupts in front of me and I don't want to connect with that person. And I have to remind myself, no, I'm a child of God. Today, that looks like connection into this mindset. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. As we were preparing for this, um, we read a passage from a gentleman called Danny Silk. I'm going to throw this up on the screen here. And it says this. I I think this is just a great way of summarizing. The spirit of fear wants us to think like orphans, to feel insignificant, powerless and alone in the face of problems and to react by focusing on ourselves. Whenever we start acting like this, it is a sign that we've forgotten who we truly are as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Those who have access to unlimited resources of love, courage and wisdom with which to face any circumstance. When we're operating in our identity through the spirit of adoption, we will align our choices with love and its goal of connection. Fear drives us away from people. Love drives us towards people. As long as we're aligning ourselves with the spirit of fear, we'll be pursuing the goal of fear, which is distance and disconnection. We will end up caught in the endless cycle of injustice, offence and punishment that causes so much chaos and pain to us and others. So how do we do this? I want to give you two thoughts this morning as we leave from this place. If you're anything like me, there's times where you are perhaps a little bit over towards the slaves thinking and the slaves mentality. And we know that actually we've been purchased as adopted sons and daughters. So we've got to adopt a new mindset. I want to just give you two thoughts. The first is this. I would love us to find our wilderness. Let me describe this to you. I'm going to describe this literally from a book. It will come up on screen as well. The Psalms often speak about the writer getting up early in the morning and seeking after the Lord. The Gospels constantly record Jesus getting up early before the rising of the sun and going to quiet and secluded places. The interesting thing about these secluded places is that the original Greek word used there is the same word used in Luke 4 to describe the wilderness, where the spirit led Jesus before the temptations happened. It's as if scripture is suggesting that every day our first battle is to travel back to the wilderness, to the place of wrestling with identity, to relocate who I am and whose I am. Every day we must be reminded, this is who you are. Every day we wrestle with identity and every day there's an open invitation to have our character refined in the wilderness where there is only our father to sustain us. 
The wilderness is where no one can see us, where the father reminds us that we are his dearly loved children and that nothing can change that. I don't know about you, but that will change the way I walk through my day. When we discover a place in our pattern of life where literally it's just you and the father, that is your wilderness. A place where you can be reminded again of who he says that you are. Scripture is packed with wonderful truths of who you are. If we launch, Jesus modeled to us an early morning pattern for that. If we launch into every day without the starting point of reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ, we run every danger of running into that day with a slave mindset. The first thing that comes up on your calendar is something that you have to strive for or do, something that you've got to achieve, something you've got to make happen. The first thing that comes up is literally you walk into your office or you walk into your school or you walk into a place where you're stationed for that particular day and you're facing somebody that you know you may have had a disagreement with at some point. And disconnection is the natural place that you want to walk to. But when you're reminded that you're a son or a daughter of God first thing in the morning, you wake with a, I'm going to look to connect with that person. I'm going to look to bring the life of Christ into that situation. I'm going to look to connect that person to the love of God. Not because it's just for me to benefit in this moment of time, but God has something great for that person as well. You can start to live as a son or a daughter when you begin to work from a place. Let's just describe it as the wilderness, a place where you and the father can be alone together. And the second thing is this. I'd love us to learn a pattern for tackling amnesia. Amnesia, literally forgetting stuff. I am like it all the time. I am awful with names. I'm really bad at names. And in my um, profession, that ain't good. All right. So whenever I'm praying for you, if I pray lots of stuff and don't remember your name, you can whisper back to me. My name is, you know, because literally I forgot. So amnesia. But if you're anything like me, you constantly have the battle of forgetting that you're a child of God. You're constantly getting pulled back to slavish behavior. Well, amnesia is the thing that's happening. You are forgetting who you are. Let me give you one tool for tackling amnesia. And it's brilliant because we've done it today. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 to 26 says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup. And after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it, until he comes. Anamnesis is the Greek word for remember. It's literally the opposed word to amnesia. It's where we get our root word amnesia for. But it literally means use this to remember. Let me reinterpret this. Paul is, could be saying this. When you take the bread and wine and celebrate the Lord's Supper, do this so you don't forget who you are. Can I encourage us as a body here in Newark to make communion, the Eucharist, the sharing of bread and wine, 
as available and as accessible wherever we are. Can I suggest that connect groups, you put it into every connect group meeting. Can I suggest that families, you put it into your weekly routine as a family. Can I suggest that communion becomes part of the rhythm of this church? Because as we remember Christ, we also remember who we are in Christ. I believe that he's given us some incredible tools for tackling this identity thing in our lives. And it's for us to steward this identity and to grow in it and to increase our awareness of it so that next year we're not so I'm a slave or I'm a child schizophrenic you know I believe God's given us some tools and that's two of those tools there's loads of others but two of those tools start every day with a moment of time where you're just you and the father and secondly bring in an incredible remembrance tool, which is communion. Bring it into everything. You treat it as a sacred moment of time, but treat it as a communal moment of time as well. You see, queuing up and receiving communion is great. It's fantastic because it remembers this, sacri- this sacramental act, but also remember that Jesus did this uh, meal with his friends. So bring it into community, bring it into our families, bring it into our lives together. I've got a friend who carries around bread and wine wherever he goes. Wherever he meets with people, he shares communion. And I love that, this sense of actually, let's start this meeting with communion because we remember at the moment of time that actually we're together in this, that we're communing around the table of Christ. So today, the, um, I want us to remind ourselves that you and I are children of God. We're going to sing a, a song that reminds us about that reminds us of our identity in Christ we're no longer slaves but we're children of God I want us to sing it today not with a kind of sense of rah-rah but a sense of identity reminding of who we are in him let confidence arise in us you know it's not an arrogance at all in any way but it's a confidence that God has called us to this and as we go from this place today we're sent from this place as children of God with a fresh revelation that we carry the authority of the family line from this place and as I'm practicing words of knowledge in this place I believe it's a gift for the church a gift that you and I can begin to step into and understand as we go from this place that that gift is as much for the world as it is for us in this place so I'll jump jump back up in a minute and just to take us through our prayer and our salvation moment of time at the end of our service but I'd love us to stand and I'd love us to respond to God with this Uh, I'm a child of God I step into a fuller revelation. Allow him to speak to you. Allow these words to uh, flow over your life today. But allow the response of your heart to come forward. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer having to battle with this stuff. Because he's purchased you. You're adopted into the family line of God. Let's sing this. Thanks, Ollie. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.